Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tonight, 401k mistakes thousands of Americans are making are you. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovec. Steve, I remember the day uh, when my grandpa was at Cincinnati Millicron, and he really, I mean, it, they did save, and they, my, my grandparents did live very frugally, but his retirement was mostly taken care of by his boss, by his employer, by right, that company. Right. Uh, you know, and then he had Social Security, so there was this beautiful three-legged stool when it came to retirement. You had your boss taking care of you, you had the government taking care of you, and then, yes, you were on the hook for part of that, right? A third of it. Yeah. Times have changed, my friend, right? There, there is no longer pensions out How there. How many people even have pensions? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When my dad retired, he he retired right when 401ks were beginning to come around. And I think he saved up, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a 401k. If you don't have a pension, you better take care of your 401k because that's the third leg of that three-legged stool. And and your retirement can be a completely different experience if you haven't invested well in that 401k. Yeah, your retirement is on you now. It, it is. For most of us, the number one vehicle that we have for saving for retirement is, of course, that 401k. So what are we missing, right? What are so many people doing wrong? Well, well the first is one that oh, really gets under my skin. Yeah. Not putting enough money into that 401k to get the full company match. I get that there are times in, in many of our lives where a medical bill rolls in that we're not expecting or something happens and maybe saving as much in your 401k as possible isn't going to be possible, right? Saving the full amount or, uh, you know, saving 12%, whatever. But... If you are not putting enough in to at least get that full company match, it is like your boss sticking his hand out, right, palm full of cash, and you saying, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I don't need that money. <laughs> I got enough. I got I mean, enough. I don't know about you, but I, right. I, I can always use some money. <laughs> I, I, I know I know we don't agree on everything all the time, but we both kind of agree yes. free, free money is a good thing, right? Free money is a good thing. Free money is a good thing. And okay? we can go down on That's... Fountain Square and stop a lot of you and see what – but I have a yeah. feeling this is a, a unanimous consensus here. But here, here's the problem, Amy. I, I mean, I figure by the time somebody walks into my office – they're responsible, they care about their future, they've thought a lot about finances, and they, they at least think they might need a little professional help. And out of that crew that have gotten to that stage of the game, I'll bet you at least half of these people that walk in don't know how their company match works. When, yeah. when I say, yeah, tell me about your 401k. You've got some money going into it. Yeah, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. Great. What kind of match are you getting from your company? I don't know. 4%, 6%? Is it 50 cents on the dollar or dollar for dollar? Yeah, I don't know. I, I get that a lot. So if you don't know how your company matches your contributions, I think that should be the first thing you ask when you Start go into there. work tomorrow. Yeah, ask yes. HR. Hey, how does how does the match work? How much do I need to put in to get the most free money? And yeah. free money is the key phrase out of this. If it's a 6% dollar-for-dollar dollar match, which is about the best I've seen, 
Well, you better find a way to afford putting 6% in there because otherwise you're saying, nah, I don't need that extra money. Yeah. Start there, right? At least yeah. start there. And then we would say, hey, 6%, probably long-term, not nearly enough, yeah. right, to cover yeah. what you're actually going to need in retirement. So dial it up. Auto-escalated every year. 1%, 2%, something like that. It's easy to look at the bills now and say, I can't make that work. But honestly, once you get over that hump mentally, you'll realize, like, I'm not even really missing this yeah. money. Yet a couple of years in, when you start to see how much is building up in there, you're going to be really glad that you did that. And I think for a lot of people, Steve, part of the problem when it comes to 401k is we can't even begin to think about our future selves because there's so much going on today, right? There's so many bills. There's so many things that our money needs to go for today. To think about kind of putting some of it aside for our future selves is difficult, but yeah. you have you have to get there. And we would say, and there's an interesting survey recently about, um, about baby boomers, actually, and didn't have enough in their 401ks. So if they were going to get to the point where they were saving enough, right, and boomers are closer to retirement, if not almost there, yeah. uh, they would need to put $142,000 a year into something for retirement in order to sa to meet their savings goals, right? Yeah. Well, you know, even the catch-up contribution, what are you at, 27000 Like, you're going to have to look outside the 401k. And that's not the be-all, end-all. We would say that's the place to start, but you probably want to diversify even where you're saving outside of that 401k. Well, well I, I think the key is, before we leave the subject of inside of the 401k, number one, put at least enough into your 401k to get the most free money. That, that's yes. a gimme, right? Okay. Yep. But then the next step you've got to take is, okay, can I afford to put more in? If I'm 60 years old and I've only got $30,000 in a 401k, there's only so much you can do. But try to work your way up towards that maximum contribution amount. If you're over 50, the government lets you put way more into that 401k than if you're younger than 50. And, and that's a case where maybe a couple of years of self-sacrifice in your last couple of years of retirement to put more in that 401k yeah. will let you live for the next 20 years in retirement that much better. So it, it, it you've got to start to prioritize, thing, uh, prioritize these issues as you get closer. The younger you are, the easier it is. Oh, man, if I was able to start investing the way I am now when I was 25 years old, it, you know, life would be on easy street. It, it would be awesome. Same. Saving when you're early. I love telling kids out of college, put 10% into your 401k right off the bat and never, never reduce that amount. A few people I've talked to over the years have done that. You wouldn't believe how good they are in their 40s. It's oh. incredible. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. So many Americans making major mistakes with their 401ks are you, because it's likely the best and only tool that you have for saving for retirement. Another issue I see uh, far too many times, Steve, is someone will come into the office, they'll come into Allworth, and they'll say, I need this money, and here's my plan. I'm just yeah. going to take it out of my 401k. Yeah. And I think it's because as that money starts to grow, when you get that statement in, it hurts some people to look at that amount and say, oh, all this money and yeah. I want to do this and I want to do, maybe I could just pull some of it out of there. Far too many Americans turn to their 401k and the long-term impact of that, we can't begin to say. It's a killer. It, it yes. really is. I, I mean, you know, you're in your 40s. You're, well, let's just say you're, you're in your 40s. You've got a house. It's worth money, but that money isn't available. Like the old saying says, you can't eat the bricks. So maybe you've got a few thousand dollars in savings, uh, maybe a couple of dollars invested here or there. 
but you've got maybe one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars in in your four hundred one k already. That's that's the bulk of your your investments, right? Yeah. Well, you leave one job, go to another, and you say, you know what, my car's on its last legs. I really don't want a car loan. I'm just going to take forty grand out and go and buy the car. All right, you're forty years old. You take forty grand out, which means after taxes and penalties, if you're under fifty nine and a half. Uh, maybe you know you're dealing with thirty thousand dollars. Okay, that forty thousand. If you had left it in the plan, rule of seventy two says if you're earning seven percent, that money would have doubled in about ten years. Yep. So if you had not touched that, that forty grand by the time you're fifty would have been eighty. By the time you're sixty, a hundred and sixty grand. By the time you were ready to retire at sixty five, that forty thousand that you grabbed could have been worth about a quarter million dollars. What happened to that car in those 25 years, Amy? It's gone. Long gone. Long yeah. gone so, in some junkyard somewhere yeah. sold for parts, yeah. right? So so would you rather have an extra quarter million in retirement or zero? That's yeah. really what it means. And it's so easy to grab that money for, for a car or whatever other purpose. Don't do it. Leave I'd it. Say, Leave I'd it say this. Well, and I say this all the time, and, and I'm not joking about it. I, I think the number one job that we have is helping smart people not make stupid mistakes. Yeah. And so if you are thinking about taking money out of your 401k, and in your mind, it's your only option, if you have an advisor, call your advisor first. Don't just take the money out. Let them talk you through, right? Maybe what some other options would be. And, and maybe ultimately the decision is you don't need to do that thing or buy that thing or go to that place or yeah. that money for that. But But if it is ultimately necessary that that money comes from somewhere, there are other options at least to talk through before you turn to that 401k. Yeah, and, and you might be thinking, well, if I call my guy, he's going to tell me don't touch that money because it's out of his pocket. He can't earn money off of my money if I take it out. Yeah, maybe some people are like that, but most most advisors are, are ethical, and they're, they're just looking out for your best interest. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you want to leave it alone so you have a better lifestyle in, in retirement. I'll tell you, one of the and, – and you brought up a good point. Um, smart people – that that you know would otherwise do smart things sometimes get emotional and and do not so smart things a study was done by Vanguard a number of years ago Vanguard's a great no load group of mutual funds and and um you would think that their conclusion would be when you you compare professional advice versus do it yourself that it would be do it yourself it was the exact opposite matter of fact one one of the recent studies said People who used professional financial advice on their 401ks saved an average of $333,000 versus $286,000 for people that did not use professional advice. So, you know, it, it could be as simple as, hey, don't sell at the bottom. Don't sell yeah. when you're ready to panic. Like, you know, sometimes the market goes through. So, you know, just the fact that you've got somebody to bounce those ideas off of sometimes keeps you in the market invested, maybe better diversified. But, you know, the bottom line is you don't do as many stupid things with a professional looking over your shoulder more times than not, according to these studies. Well, think about it. We've already established most of us don't have pensions. When right. it comes to Social Security, we certainly hope that Congress does something. But if nothing is done in, you know, the next 10 years, well, then those who are coming up on retirement at that time will get, you know, less than their promised benefit. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, you know, 15, 20 percent less. So it's really worth looking at your 401k, spending time on it. And I think for so many people, Steve, when you start that new job and you get that paperwork about your 401k, it is an afterthought. It is a set it and forget yeah. it kind of situation. Yeah. When you 
look at how critical this is for retirement. This is something, man, you need to be looking at much more often than just that first day of work. I I, I know the answer to this, but why do people spend more time planning their summer vacation <laughs> so than their 401k investments? Because yes. it's more fun and, and, and money can but be But not stressful. more important, right? Well, exactly. And I didn't grow up with this stuff. You kind of did, but most people don't. Yeah, you know, so there are some basic facts that are relatively easy to learn. I mean, Google has a lot of answers. Investopedia has a lot of answers. Just to get basics out, your company provides you with in information on your 401k. I'm seeing more and more companies, there's a really neat trend going on where they hire outside groups like Allworth, like like other investment advisors to come in and give information to their employees. Use them. If you got it available, use them. Even if you disagree, even if you go in a different direction, knowledge is good. I learned that from Animal House. Yeah, you know, that, that's where I get most of my important information from. It's important to learn a little bit about the money that you're going to depend on in retirement. You know, if everyone knew where your, all of your movie quotes came from, they, they may <laughs> not take your Somebody advice. out there is laughing. <laughs> Here's the Simply Money point. The 401k, without a doubt, is a powerful vehicle for saving for retirement. Give it enough fuel, and it could last you a lifetime. Coming up, Cincinnati has a hotel as ranked as one of the top 25 in the world. We'll tell you where it is next. And from acquired minimum distributions to a question about long-term care, we're going to ask the advisor next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sproback. If you can't listen to our show every night, well, subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money. You'll find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up at 643, how to relieve the tax burden on your kids when you're gone. Some things maybe you've never considered before. Cincinnati, so many cool things going on in the city, but this is one I'm not sure I ever would have even thought we would have here. Home to one of the top 100 hotels, not in the country, in the, in the world. world. In the world. This is amazing. So Lytle Park cool. Hotel. Have you have you ever been in that area? I haven't. I was actually like looking it up today when I like, yeah. saw this and the, the pictures and the video. Amazing. You, you, you've been under it plenty of times. If you take 71 South when you go under the tunnel... And make that turn on the Fort Washington way. The reason there's a tunnel is above you is this hotel. Yeah. I, I've, I've gotten turned around downtown. This happened years ago. And, and it's a beautiful little setting. It's a nice it little park. Pretty. It's yeah. a building from 1909. Top 100 hotels in the world. They have something called fret linens. I'm happy with clean linens. I don't know what fret <laughs> linens are, but, you know, this is pretty serious. Yes, it is. The pictures are amazing. This is obviously luxury high-end. I didn't look at how much the rates are, how much it'll cost you to stay there for a night. Four or five hundred think... a night. I'll, I'll pretty much guarantee well, it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking, like, ooh, anniversary's coming up. This would be a nice place, nice place to stay for a night. But really cool, right, even just to go in, walk around the lobby, um, you know, check it out. But I, I love bragging rates for our city. I, I feel like, you know, for the longest time, and, and I'm from here, you've been here for, for decades yeah, now, too. Yeah. The longest it's time home. anyone talked about downtown and was about shootings and bad things going yeah. on down there and now it seems like anytime we're talking about downtown something good and amazing it's on par on. with the waldorf in new york i mean this is cincinnati this is pretty wild i got a kick cool. out of this yeah very cool all right so what are your money questions we know you have them then it's time to ask the advisor if you've got a question you want us to answer on the show send it to us at ask simply money at allworthfinancial.com email it ask simply money at allworthfinancial.com 
First question is from William, who lives in Bridgetown. My mother just turned 90 and officially ran out of money, right? That's, of course, everyone's fear. She's in a long-term care facility that does not take Medicaid, so she either needs to leave or I need to pony up the money to keep her there. She is happy where she is, and I probably could financially help maybe for a year, but I also worry about that money for my future what do I do? Oh, he's between a rock and a hard place, oh, isn't he? This, this hurts is tough. my heart yeah. for, for William and his mom because yeah. I think about my kids and how I want to do everything I can for them. And, you know, as my dad gets older, right, he's in his 70s, I think mm -hmm. all the sacrifices that he made for me through the years that I would want to absolutely help him. But. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You got to worry about really, yourself, too. Yes. This yeah. is a really tough spot because also, um, I don't know about William. My grandparents lived to be 94 and 96 mm -hmm. and spent mm -hmm. several years in long-term care facilities. If he's got enough to help her for a year, what's to say she, he isn't going to have to move her anyway, right? Yeah. That he might run out of money. So I, I think that making the decision now, while a difficult one, explaining why might actually be the best for him financially. This is such a classic case of why did you wait till now? Yeah, yes. You know, this is something five, eight, ten years, whenever right. she went into a nursing home, that was the time to start looking at it while you still had options. I, I mean, it's not like you're going to get thrown out and you got no places to go. In Ohio, there's 967 nursing homes that accept Medicaid. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so she has options. Might not be her preference, but when you run out of money, you kind of run out of preferences. Yeah, You know, yeah. you've got to do what you've got to do. At least he's thinking about himself. There are a lot of kids that would say, I'll do whatever for mom she raised me, but, you know, if it bankrupts you, you're not helping anybody because you're continuing you're in the trouble. cycle. Exactly. Right? You're the cycle. And then exactly. if you have kids, right, yeah. then all of a sudden they're helping you. You got to yeah. stop that cycle. There, there are plenty of nursing homes that, yeah, maybe not the cheapest ones, but when she could afford to go into a nursing home, that have an agreement that once you're in there, they will never boot you out. Uh, yeah. I, my wife, Ann, volunteers in one of these places. And, and um, yeah, if you happen to run out of money, unfortunately, you at least know they're still going to let you stay there. So, uh, you know, it's too little too late at this point, unfortunately. But there are options. So anybody out there listening that sees this happening five, ten years down the road, now is the time to look into uh, alternatives, not at the last minute. Yeah, absolutely. Learn from William here, right? And yeah. his mom and what they're going through. Next question is from Rex and Amelia. He's 45. My mom is about to turn 72. Wants to know whether there's a specific percentage she must take for her required minimum distribution, or can she take as little or as much as she wants? Well, she can take as much as she yes. wants. Yes. That's her call. On that end of the spectrum, <laughs> she's totally fine. Yeah, but uh, it's called a required minimum distribution because, yes, there is a minimum amount you've got to take. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if the government set up these rules nice and simple and said, yes, the percentage is 3.67%. Sure. They don't. They provide a divisor table, which gets you to that point, but it just adds a step, which is the government at work, you know. But the bottom line is, 
the way you calculate, uh, the, the IRS provides tables. The way you calculate how much you are required to take out as a bare bones minimum is by using the divisor from the table that the IRS provides. Um, the divisor at age 72 is 27.4. So if she had $100,000 in her IRA divided by 27.4, that's a that's right around 3.7%. That's the answer. And, and the custodian, the, the company that has her IRA, will give her an exact dollar amount. Now, yeah. the IRS doesn't care when you take it out. First of the, the year, last day of the year, a little bit every month. They don't care what you do with it. They just want it to come out so a 1099 is generated and you get taxed, which is the whole point of required minimum distributions. Yes, understand this, right? If you are saving in a 401k or an IRA, right, those tax-deferred accounts, well, this is the the RMDs is when you pay the piper. This is when Uncle Sam comes a-calling, and they're not going to leave it up to you how little you're going to pay. They're going to tell you exactly how much you can pay, um, and that's part of it, right? That's that's yeah. part of understanding that. That's why sometimes even um, diversifying into Roth IRAs where you don't have to pay those taxes later can be a good idea as well. Coming up next, parents, listen up. Maybe your kids are graduating this year. Maybe they're going out into the world very soon. What are the financial tips that you need to pass on to them to make sure they're not coming back home? You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You just graduated from college or maybe your kids did. Now what? Are you ready for the real world? Not only the job, but the paycheck that goes with it and all of those responsibilities financially. Joining us tonight is Al Riddick. He is president of Game Time Budgeting. Of course, a good friend of ours here on Simply Money with some great tips for college graduates. Um, where do we even get started here, Al? So my first tip, Amy, for those uh, college graduates is this. Save double digits before buying widgets. And let me explain what I mean okay, by that. Okay, I like this. So, so, so first of all, uh, of course, recent college graduates, one of the great things that they have on their side is time, unlike myself, you know? So if you're going you and me to both. say, I know, right? So <laughs> if, if you want to be an above average saver, you know, there's nothing wrong with targeting 15 or 20% as a savings rate. And I know that the young people are very tech savvy, but the reason that I say save double digits before buying widgets is this, you don't always have to have the latest smartphone or the latest uh, gadget to help you improve a certain aspect of your life. Focus on the double digit savings rate first. And then some of those little extras that you want in life, there's nothing wrong with buying them, but just make sure you do things in order. I love that advice. And, you know, this is such an exciting time, right? Because you've, you've gone to school all your life. You've finished college. You've, you know, focused on one major thing. And now you're going out into the world. You're starting your career. And you say there's mistakes, though, that you see a lot of people making in that first job. What's that mistake? So this may sound funny, Amy, but this is one of the most common personal finance mistakes young people make, and it is living within their means. Now, I know you're like, wait a minute, Al, that sounds a little bit contradictory. So let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say, you know, you get this nice, fancy job offer. And as an example, this college graduate might be bringing about $4,000 home per month. But what if 
their savings rate is only 5%. Mm. Now, they could be saving 5%, not accruing any new debt and living a great lifestyle. But you know, just like I do, Amy, that they are probably grossly underfunding their retirement and they could be skipping even saving for emergencies as well. So the trick is not to live within your means because I think that's a mistake. To really make it sexy for yourself, live well below your means and make that gap between income and spending as wide as possible because that's where the magic happens because you will create different options and opportunities for your financial future. All right. So you said to really make this sexy, right? You live below your means. But I think there's probably a lot of college graduates out there that are saying that does not sound too sexy at all. In fact, I finally got a paycheck coming in. You're telling me to leave, live beneath my means. How do we then get it through uh, to these college graduates how critical it is to start saving? And it, it's funny. I've had talks with coworkers before about, you know, major mistakes that we wish that we you know, just had known better. And the number one thing that everyone comes back to is, man, if we had really started saving seriously in that 401k right out of college, think about where we'd be now. How do you how do you get that through, though? So, so when I'm engaging young people, Amy, this is one of the little tips or tricks that I use. You know how we have a lot of these apps out here that will age your face. It's like, what does Al look like when he's 90 years old? Yep. So when I'm talking to young people, I always get them to download one of those fancy aging apps <laughs> so that they can see themselves, you know, with the crow's feet so they can see themselves with the wrinkles and with the gray hair. And for a lot of times, Amy, this is the first time in a young person's life where they actually thought about getting older. And then to take it a step further, you have to ask yourself as a young person, what do you want your future life to be like? And then what steps or sacrifices or strategies are you willing to put in place today in the present to prepare for your future life? And, and if that doesn't work, Amy, you know what might work? For some of these young people, when you can like show them some of these like future value of money calculators, mm -hmm. and let's just say, just put in like two, three hundred dollars a month, which really isn't that much considering mm -hmm. that you still have a lot of money left to live off of. And just put in, let's say, even like something as small as six percent as an average amount of return. When young people see how easy it is for them to become millionaires that tends to impact the way that they think and look about themselves and the behaviors that they exhibit with money. But again, the trick is to get them to see themselves 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And the best way that I found to do that is to actually show them a picture of themselves. <laughs> Al Reddick from Game Time Budgeting joining us tonight. Al, that is such great advice. One of the things I love about the show is kind of the behavioral finance part of it. And we've seen so much research that shows a number. One of the main reasons why people have trouble saving for the future is because you're in the now and it's really hard, even when you're in your 40s, to picture yourself in your 60s and what your needs are going to be and that you may not be as healthy and your your healthcare expenses might go up and things like that. And I love that you're giving these kids such a concrete way to envision themselves in the future. This has all been great advice for college graduates, but so often we see that parents actually have a difficult time sort of cutting the financial cord with kids once they go off into the world, get that first job 
job because let's face it, we've been used to, you know, supporting them for all these years. So what's your advice to parents when the kids are graduating from college and they do have that first job on the horizon? So for parents, first of all, I applaud all parents who have done the best that they can do to create, you know, this productive member of society. So obviously, being that you've been involved with that child's life, you have insulated them from a lot of potential challenges in life. But the funny thing about it now is this, Amy, now that they're out on their own with that first job, You've insulated them in the past, but you cannot isolate them any further. Eventually, life smacks everybody in the face, Amy, yes. uh -huh. <laughs> sooner or later. And the earlier you can experience that first smack, the better off you tend to be. So for the parents, obviously, you've spent years, you know, telling that child what to do and then showing them how to do things. There's nothing wrong with letting them see for themselves what they've learned. So look, look at it this way. At the end of the day, you're just looking for a return on your investment, not from a financial point of view, but from a productive member of society point of view. And then you want to, of course, experience what it feels like to know that your child can truly be independent so that they can take care of themselves and stay out of your pockets. <laughs> I love that point. Ed Fink, one of our founders of Simply Money, used to always say you want to give your children both roots and wings. And this is kind of the point where you let, let those wings take over, hoping the roots also are deep, but letting them make mistakes financially and not bailing them out immediately. That's what I'm hearing you say here, Al. Uh, let them experience that pain for themselves. Definitely, Amy, because I don't know about you, but I often learn by experience, right? Yep. So if my parents had shielded me way too much from the realities of life, I'm sure it would impact the way that I behave as an adult. But I had parents who, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, I think they enjoyed the pain that I experienced <laughs> because a lot of times I'm sure they were like, we told you not to do this, but you did it anyway. So now it's time for you to learn a lesson, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I'm so excited about the fact that once I was away from being under my parents' roof, Amy, uh, there has not been one time where I had to call my mom and dad and say, can you bail me out of a situation? Yeah. All right. You, you figured it out on your own and you learned from there. Great advice from Al Riddick tonight, president of Game Time Budgeting, not only for recent college graduates who are going to be out there getting their first paychecks, learning the importance of saving for the first time, but also for parents and letting them make those first financial mistakes so that they can truly learn from them. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. <laughs> You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. What temperature do you keep your thermostat on? When do you wash your dishes, right? When do you start the dishwasher? The answers to that could be costing you. We'll explain why. That's straight ahead. You know, Steve, I think for so many people, um, as we start to get older and we think about our savings, we think about our children, ideally, most of us would say, and there's a lot of people who say, I want that last check to bounce. Yeah. And yeah. I get that too. But there's also a large group of people out there who um, would really like to have something for their kids once they're yeah. gone, right, to yeah. pass that on. The problem is there are ways that you can plan for that. And if you don't, the money that you could be leaving your kids, while nice, could also be a huge tax burden. 
It, it, it can. And, you know, it's really interesting when you run a financial plan for somebody who's been successful and they're enjoying themselves in retirement, but there's no way they're going to spend all of their money. It, you know, and OK, it looks like this point you if you live to this particular age, you may leave, you know, might be two million, might be three million, might be one million, but a lot of money to your kids. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know about you. I know you've got more than one child. I certainly have more than one child. They can be a little different. You yeah. know, they, they can think differently. They can they can have different spending habits. So maybe one is more successful than the other as, as life progresses. And equal isn't always equal. There are different strategies on how to leave money to your kids that may work out a little better for you in your specific circumstance. Well, in one case it, where your ki- where your kids may not be equal might be in their salaries, right? Their paychecks, yeah. how much money they have coming into their household. Why does that make a difference? Well, if you have money in a 401k and an IRA and you're just going to split that evenly amongst your kids, right? Um, or one's a Roth, right? Um, mm-hmm there could actually be different ramifications. And what I mean by this is that maybe the higher earner with the money that they inherit from you, that bumps them up a tax bracket. Well, suddenly they're getting less than their sibling because they're paying a lot more in taxes. It's an interesting way to think about it, but I think one that bears at least considering for parents. Now, what if you left the Roth where you've already paid the taxes on that account um, to that child, right? The higher income earner, um, it may not bump them right into the next tax bracket. So just something yeah. to think about there. This became a lot more important after 2019 because before 2019, I forget the exact date, But when your traditional, let's just use an IRA as an example, your traditional IRA went to your kids, not a spouse. Maybe your spouse predeceased you, and this money now goes to the next generation. Before 2019, they could spread out those distributions over the course of their lives. Well, the rules have changed, Amy, and now those accounts have to be depleted within 10 years. So in other words, let's say you got a million dollars in an IRA, you pass away, and you split it equally between two chil- children, 500000 to one, 500000 to the other. They have to get rid of that. They have to take that money out and be taxed on it over the next 10 years. Well, what if one kid is making, I don't know, $180,000 in a high tax bracket and the other's making forty? Yeah. Guess Guess who's got more money left over? Yeah. You know, one's getting a much bigger tax bite. And, and yeah, you, you made it equal, but they're not seeing the same amount of money. And they're forced to draw that down to zero within 10 years. So, yeah, a little strategy can make a big difference. And this is why I think it's so important to just be thinking these things through, right? Does this matter to you? And also, even maybe more than that, having conversations with your children, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a lot of parents, and, and, and I'm super open, but maybe a lot of parents don't have any idea how much kids are making, right? As long as they're not coming to you asking for money, you feel like right. oh, they must be okay. But but having these open, honest money conversations with your kids makes these kind of end-of-life conversations, regardless of your age or your health, right, so much easier to say, hey, like, I, I really want to, I want to get, leave something for you and I want it to be, be as beneficial as possible. So let's talk through this together, yeah. right? Yeah. What does this look like? Uh, and, and you can probably learn a lot about your children and their financial situations from that conversation as well. Well, let's draw an example, okay? You, you've been smart, you've saved up a lot of money, you've been, been prudent, and you've got a large traditional IRA and a large Roth IRA. Instead of 50-50 on each account to your children, and, and beneficiary designations can be changed over time. You yeah. don't set it and forget it. So instead of doing it 50-50, maybe if you've got two children, one much more successful, earning much more than the other, maybe leave the Roth IRA to the one that is paying 
least, or I'm sorry, most in tax and yeah. the traditional IRA to the one paying least. And that way they both come out a, a little bit better. It, it's a thought. But what if the job situation changes? You might want to change your beneficiary designations the next year. Don't just forget about this. I think every year everybody should look at their beneficiary designations, their investment options. Just go through it all and, and just say, yep, everything's the same. Or no, nah, I want to tweak this a little bit. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway from this is, first of all, the need for these open conversations, right, yep. with your children, um, what that looks like, what would really help them, right? You might be assuming that there's something that they want or that they would like, and, and maybe they don't, right? So having these conversations is critical. And then once you've got that plan in place, revisiting that plan, I, I get it. I always have a state plan. Estate planning is usually on my list of things to do or updating it, and it keeps falling down. We'll it keeps it. falling down. We'll it's not my it. favorite yeah. Yeah. thing to do. Yet the peace of mind that comes from having it done, having it done well, knowing that the people you care about are well taken care of, there's just not enough that you can save for that. Here's yep. the Simply Money point. Relieving your children of the taxable burden of their inheritance is just one of the most loving financial moves you can make, at least something worth considering. Coming up, do you want to save money? I think the answer is probably unanimous yes from all of us. Some advice about, yes, your thermostat and your dishwasher. Next, you're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Strovac. I think that right now when you go to fill up at the pump, when you go to the grocery store and you look at how much you're paying, well, most of us would agree we need to start figuring out ways that maybe we can save a little more, right? We just feel like you're hemorrhaging money. Well, we would say maybe two places that you can start that you haven't considered are within your home. You know, I yeah, I and I, I saw this on the news last night also. This is an article that's going you know, to be bantered about all over the country because, yeah, price of energy is a lot higher, and, and people are saying maybe you should set your air conditioner at 78 degrees in the summer. Whoever wrote this doesn't live in Cincinnati. I, I'm sorry. Well, you know, the funny <laughs> thing is, work here. Well, the funny thing is that we're talking about this, you know, with, with our producers earlier yeah. today, and... One of our producers, Dana, who makes fun of me all the time because she hates being hot, lives with her place on 78. Is that right? So, so it is doable. That is exactly the way that she does it. And I'm thinking, my gosh, she makes fun of me because I'm always hot. And yet I don't keep my thermostat on, on 78. No, but you got to get rid of the humidity. I, I think the high... The kind of the higher level thinking here is, okay, maybe you're not on 78, right, which is considered optimal, but can you crank it up a couple more degrees, especially on the hottest days, right? Yeah. Maybe you've got a fan on you. Maybe you put a lighter blanket on at night, but maybe, you know, when you're sleeping, you crank it down a little more. I know a lot of people, though, are very picky about the temperature when you're sleeping, and I get that. Yeah, the same article, and it was from CNET.com. So, you know, these are pretty smart people writing these things. But I'm sorry, they don't live in Cincinnati because they're also saying, yeah, when you're ready to go to bed, you might want to bump it up to 82. If my if my bedroom's at 82 degrees, I no, no. That does not, <laughs> you're not sleeping not, that night. I'm not getting any sleep. Now, maybe it works in Phoenix where, where the, the humidity level is minus. You know, but yeah. in Cincinnati, where it's, you know, normally 90 percent or somewhere around there, it just doesn't work. And, and it, it seems to me like we're going back to the late 70s. I'm going to get on my old guy rant. But, you know, in the late 70s, we were hearing the same things because the OPEC crisis was going on. 
drive at 55 and you're going to burn less gas. No, I want to be comfortable. I'm an old guy. I need to be comfortable. I'm sorry. Well, you're not so old, first of all. But second of all, if Immature. someone's truly looking to save, right, this is a legitimate way that you can. Maybe you just bump it up a, a degree or two and see if you can still be comfortable that way. It's at least worth trying. Also, when do you run your dishwasher? Yeah. I mean, we don't even think about it. It's just when it's full, we start running it. But and I and, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, but energy rates, right, can fluctuate throughout the day depending on yeah. peak usage hours. Yeah. So if you're running your dishwasher when everyone else is running all of their electricity, um, you could actually be paying more for that. This is legitimate. There's peak and off peak hours and you pay a lot less for electricity at night. I, I heard in New York City it can be fourteen times difference. That that's yeah. Huge. I, I went on uh, Check Duke's website. I think it's only about a 25% difference, but it's still about a 25% difference. So if you can wait till after 8 p.m., yeah, that's when you want to run the high energy. If you're looking to save, every little bit counts. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.